Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for seeing us safely through another week. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy, which is new every morning. And Father, as we come to you this evening, as we study your word once again, we ask for a blessing. We ask for your Holy Spirit to please guide us. We ask that you would please speak to us, O Lord. Grace us with thy presence is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our encounter for this evening is Jesus' encounter with Martha and Mary. And it's a short story, but there's much that we can learn from this story. So let's get straight into it, shall we? We're starting in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says this, Now it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, this was Martha's house, not to say that she owned it. You know, she had two siblings, Lazarus and Mary. In, in uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, this is what we read. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Martha and her sister, Mary. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So these were the siblings, Lazarus, and then there was also Mary, and there was also Martha. But yet it says back there in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 that Jesus um, was received into Martha's house. This was her house. You know, any time that people came, to this place. It was known as Martha's place. As I said, not that she owned it, but she was probably the more motherly figure of all of them. She was the one that was always hospitable. She initiated things. She probably cooked for the people and took care of all of them. She represents all that are busy for the Lord. They're doers, probably leaders to some extent. She has the gift of hospitality. She is the one that invites Jesus to her house and she is the first of even the two sisters just to just show you how much initiative she has she's the first of the two sisters when Lazarus is sick or even has passed away that she comes and speaks to Jesus look at this in John chapter 11 and verse 20 then Martha as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming went and met him but Mary sat still in the house. So if you wanted anything done, if you wanted to move forward, you call a person like Martha. She will get things done. She's a doer. She makes things happen. And so there is Martha that invites Jesus into the house and she is taking care of everybody. And who is Mary? Who is Mary, the sister that we know about? You know, she's probably the younger sister, and that's why Martha has more of a motherly figure. She's more of the laid-back one, it seems. And look at what we read about her in John chapter 11, verse 2. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. You see, 
Martha, um, pardon me, Mary, she's the one that wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, the one that got that expensive perfume, and she ended up being reprimanded by some of the disciples, but Jesus defended her. She is the one that was showing great appreciation for Jesus, and she really had great love for Him. Why? What else do we know about Mary? And we're looking at Mary and Martha both, but there's not much that is said about Martha, but there is much that is said about Mary, actually. John 19, 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is the one that is known as the sister of Martha. She is one of the few people that is standing at the cross of Jesus where he is crucified. All the other disciples except John had fled, but she was there along with the mother of Jesus and also another Mary. This Mary had great love for Jesus. Why is it? How, what else do we know about this Mary? Well, let's also go to John chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. So this Mary, she is the first to see Jesus when He is resurrected. She's there early at the tomb on the Sunday morning, and that's why she's the first to meet Jesus. She has great love for Christ. Not only was she there first on the resurrection morning, she was there when Jesus was crucified. She was the one that wiped Jesus' feet with her own hair and this expensive perfume. Why? What do we know about this Mary? Her love was evident. And why? Because she is notoriously known as the woman who was caught in adultery in the very act. And we studied that back in John chapter 8. And you know, you remember that Jesus was merciful to her. Remember that? And He told her that He didn't condemn her either and told her to go and sin no more. So from that experience, her love for Jesus began to grow. And now Jesus is invited into the house of Martha and of course of Mary and Lazarus, okay? And so all these siblings, they love Jesus very much. Martha as well. Uh, well. Not to say that she hated him, but she probably did not love Jesus as much as Mary did. What was Mary doing in this case? We read in John, uh, Luke, pardon me, we're back to Luke. Luke chapter 10 and verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His word, listening to His teaching, listening to His preaching. She wanted to grow in faith and in love with the Messiah. And it was at the feet of Jesus that she first experienced forgiveness. In John chapter 8, when she was dragged through the streets by the Pharisees and caught in the very act of adultery and thrown at the feet 
of Jesus, expecting to be condemned, it was there that Jesus forgave her sin. It was there that she left uncondemned with new hope that she could have a chance to change her future and even her present situation when Jesus told her to go and sin no more. And that's why when Jesus came into the house of Martha and Mary, she was so excited to sit at His feet because it was at His feet that she found forgiveness. It was at His feet that she found mercy. It was precious to her to sit at the feet of Jesus. She counted it a privilege and a blessing. And you know, how many of us actually have that experience today? What does sitting at the feet of Jesus represent for us today in our time? Well, friends, the application is very simple. It's listening to His Word. It's spending time with God in His Word, with Him, getting to know Him. It's our daily devotion, reading the Bible on a daily basis. This is what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to sermons, reading different books from different Christian authors about Jesus Christ, which uplifts His Word and makes us more faithful to Him. It is about having a deeper devotion and commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus today. And you see, Mary, she counted it a privilege, a joy, a blessing. And you know, one thing that stands out is the reason why she did this, it was, it was out of her love for her Savior. She didn't consider it a duty. Oh, Jesus is at my house now. Now I've got to go out and entertain everybody. I better go sit at the feet of Jesus. Oh no, friends. She was enjoying her time there. She was so happy to be sitting there at the feet of Jesus. She was not doing this because she was part of the host. No, she wasn't sitting there because it was part of a custom. In fact, it was quite opposite in terms of custom. She should not have been sitting there at the feet of Jesus. She was meant to be doing the house duties. She was meant to be helping her sister to cook and to clean and to make everybody feel welcome. But she had appreciated all that Jesus had done for her. And so when she sat at the feet of Jesus, it was a joy. It was a blessing. It was a privilege. It was precious to her because Jesus had forgiven her. He had saved her from the wrath of the religious leaders. He had stood up for, for her when everyone else was ready to give up on her and condemn her to death. She had seen the need and the blessing of Jesus in her life. Friends, have you seen the need of Christ in your life? Have you seen His mercy and His tender care and His love towards you? Have you experienced His forgiving touch? Not just once, not just twice, but many times when we've run back to sin, He's just there ready to forgive you over and over again. Have you seen His pitiful look, ready to help you in time of need? Spending time with Christ, what I'm trying to say is this, sitting at the feet of Jesus every day, it will only have meaning to us if Christ is personal to each and every one of us. 
You know, it doesn't mean that it is personal to you just because you grew up in a Christian home. It doesn't make it personal just because you went to church every week. It isn't personal just because you've done all the forms and the duties. No, friends, Christ must be personal to you in how He's touched your own life. Not just reading stories about other people and their faith. Not just reading the Bible and seeing those testimonies and those stories about how God made the sun stand still or how He opened the Red Sea for Moses. No, how is God personal to you? How is He a living God to you? What has God done for you? And you see, friends, this is why sharing praises is so important and personal to each and every one of you. And even to me, you know, I shared about the the testimony before we started this evening about my praise, about how God, He, He was with us when when my son Samuel went, went into operation yesterday, he had to be put to sleep. You know, friends, I've had about three or four operations where I've had to be put asleep every single time. And I know the feeling of what it goes through. And, and you know, I, I believe it was my, my, my grandma on my mother's side who went for an operation at an old age and she never woke up from it. And, you know, so it's these sort of praises and blessings that I share and I mean it from the bottom of my heart because I know what it means to me about how when I I saw my son come back, he was wheeled back into the room and he was just lying there asleep. I was just praying, God, please, I pray that he'll wake up. You know, I could see him breathing and I was thankful when he finally opened his eyes and was awake again. How is God personal to you? What has God done For you, do you experience His mercy? Do you experience His goodness? Do you experience His love for every single one of you? And when we do that, when when we see how God is personal to us, then, then the time that we have when we sit at the feet of Jesus becomes more precious. It becomes a greater blessing. It becomes a privilege because we know that we cannot live without Christ. We know what He means to us. And then personal devotion is no longer a duty that I must do every day. And we almost make it as if, if you don't do it, you're not going to be saved, as if it's works to heaven. We, we consider it a Christian duty, a Christian discipline. We use those sorts of words that don't evoke any sort of love and joy for our Savior. And when we look at at Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, we don't understand. Many of us, we can't go out to play, wait to go out and play. We can't wait to go off and do our own personal things. Many times Jesus is just in our way of our work or our studies, of our social time, of a good time. You know, friends, in, in Psalms, so much, it tells us to to call out to God to praise Him. How could David have so many praises to praise God with? It's because God was so personal to him in every experience of his life. Even when he was running for his life from King Saul, 
he could praise God. Even when his son Absalom was trying to hunt him and to kill him, he could still praise God. When for God forgave him of his sin against Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, he turned around and praised God because God was so merciful to him. God was so real to him. God was personal to him. And so Mary, she was feeling blessed. She was counting it a privilege to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from Him, from all His teachings. However, not all was good in the household of Mary and Martha. Let's continue, shall we? Luke chapter 10, and now we're reading verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to Him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. You see, Martha was busy with all the preparations and for all the duties and work in receiving so many people into the house. Jesus was not some private uh, sort of person that had no one that knew about him. No, he was a famous man. Wherever he went, people were following him in droves. And so certainly, the house of Martha and Mary and Lazarus must have been full. And she was busy taking care of all the guests' needs, feeding them, washing their feet, making sure they were comfortable. And in the midst of all the busyness, what happened? She got flustered and she got annoyed and she took it out on Jesus. She brought Jesus into this whole problem And the problem was her sister. Mary was not helping her. She was not doing what a woman should have been doing in those days. She felt like she was all alone while her sister was having a jolly good time. And that was probably what made it worse, you see. She was running around there while her sister was just sitting there, seemingly doing nothing. But she forgot that it was probably her own idea of having Jesus come to her home and and to provide for all the people. You know, friends, it's possible to serve Christ. Be involved in the blessing of serving others and yet still feel like it's a burden or feeling upset by the burden of it all. And this was the case of Martha. Not only that, but look at what she said to Jesus. She said, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me all alone to serve everybody? Don't you care? Where have we heard those words before? Jesus, don't you care? Do you remember when the disciples were on the boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus was fast asleep in the boat with them and the boat was now full of water and they were beginning to sink, they finally cried out to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're sinking? Don't you care that we're going to perish? What an absurd question. Because of course Jesus cared. He did care and He did care about what Martha was going through. Of course, the situation on the boat in the storm was a more serious situation, but of course, Jesus cared. And in saying that, what was happening? Martha was blaming Jesus for the situation. And it's so easy to blame God or feel flustered, isn't it? 
when things don't go our way or we get too busy all of a sudden, it's God's fault and He's meant to help us. God always seems to get caught in between. The innocent party is now the problem. And it's interesting because you see Jesus is teaching here and Martha, she, she interrupts the whole situation. Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? She, you, you tell her to get up and come and help me. And the whole situation is stopped and probably everyone's wondering, Woo, uncomfortable family situation. But of course, Jesus is going to turn it into a teaching moment. But you see, friends, it is possible to serve God. It is possible to serve God until you start getting upset that no one else is helping you and yet they're all just sitting there, sitting at the feet of Jesus as if they aren't doing anything. Friends, it's possible to become totally like a Martha where we get all bitter in serving God that we end up leaving the church or we end up stepping down from a position of influence where we could have been a greater blessing but because it seemed like no one else was helping us, we get upset and angry. And we're going to look at the reason as to why Martha got this way and how it's possible for us to end up that way as well. But you see, friends, what happens? We start thinking that Jesus doesn't care and we burn out and we leave God altogether. It's a dangerous situation to be in, friends. It's possible that many of us are Martha's today and we're not learning to be like Mary. How does Jesus respond? Look at it. Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. How does Jesus respond? What does He say? Because what He says here helps us to understand a bit more about Martha and what sort of person she is. Remember, she's a doer, but yet she gets upset when other people aren't working like how she's working. And also, Jesus said that she was careful and troubled about many things. She was worrying too much, overburdening herself with worry. What she was upset about, Jesus is trying to imply, is that it's a small thing, nothing much to get upset over. Remember, she was upset because what? Her sister was not helping her and it made it worse that not only was she was not helping her, it's not like she was busy with doing something else, but she was just sitting there listening to Jesus' words, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, friends, I can relate to that. I'm like that in character as well. I'm a doer. I like to get things done. I like to be busy about the Lord's work in some sense. I'm more like a Martha. And I can relate to the fact of how she would get upset with her sister. Any of you like that? Any of you can relate to that? And when you're busy and you see people sitting there, oh, you just get even more angry. 
I can, I can relate to that. I feel the blood boiling and coming up in my heart. And you know, you like to serve, you like to do things, you like to work with your hands. And also, you get upset when people don't have the sense even to lend a helping hand when they see how busy you are running here and there. It just makes matters worse. And I'm like that many times, friends. And Jesus has a message for these sorts of people this evening. Jesus is saying what? You're getting upset over something so small. Don't let it get to the point where you end up getting upset that you will let go your hold on Christ, that you will blame Him, or that you get even more angry about those people who are actually studying the Bible, who are spending time with God. Because it really is something so small, isn't it? But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't stop there. He also says something else. You're troubled about many things, but then in verse 2, He says what? One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And what was that good part that Mary had chosen? She had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Him. Mary had chosen the good part, better than what Martha had chosen to do. Not that it was wrong, but you see, Jesus ends up defending Mary because why? She had chosen the good part, the better part, which would not be taken away from her to sit at the feet of Jesus, to know Jesus, to learn from Jesus, and to grow in love for Jesus every day. We need to know Christ more, friends, before we can serve Him. It is important to spend time more with Jesus, learning at His feet, than to serve God. Do you know that? It's more important to sit at the feet of Jesus than to actually serve Jesus or to do His works, in a sense. There are many Christians out there that are used to doing a certain thing because that's what Christians do. And some, they get afraid of being baptized because they don't want to be called to do more. But it's not even that, friends. The most important part of the Christian life is not going to church and doing the good works at church. Now look, I'm going to bring a balance into all of this. It's not, oh, the pastor's telling me I don't need to go to church anymore. No, friends. But the good part, the more important part, the better part than all of this is learning to sit at the feet of Jesus every day. That is more important than actually going to church. Why? Because if you sit at the feet of Jesus and you learn from it and grow in love with Him, you will go to church and do even more. You will learn to sacrifice. You'll be there first on resurrection morning. You'll be there last at, at the cross of Jesus. You will be there giving Him your very best, wiping Him, His feet with your hair and pouring this expensive perfume that's worth one year's worth of salary upon His head and upon His feet. That service will come around eventually, but friends, it is even more important to sit at the feet of Jesus and have this foundation to build upon than doing any other good work that you can imagine 
for a Christian. Why? Because if you don't have that foundation, you can eventually get bitter in the midst of doing all this work. Mary could have been standing at the cross and go, where are all of his disciples? Who are those useless men that walked with him for three and a half years? Only one left. She could have started pointing fingers. She could have started blaming. She could have gotten angry and bitter. Where is everyone else? But when you have the foundation and the love of God burning in your hearts, when you have this devotion to Christ, when you have this relationship that cannot be shaken by anything, it doesn't matter what men and women will do to you. You will have fruit. You will bear fruit to the glory of God eventually. You know, friends, in the last days, there are people that, that have all these works. I want to show you. I want to show you Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. Look at this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? There's a work. And in thy name cast out devils? There's another work. And in thy name done many wonderful works. But what does Jesus say? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There will be many people at the end of time who will say, God, we did all these wonderful works for you. But he turns around and says, what? I don't know who you are. I never knew you. How dreadful to hear such words at the end of time. But why does Jesus say that to them? What is the dividing line? Well, it's found earlier in verse 21. Matthew 7, 21, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, friends, you must first do the will of the Father in heaven before your works mean anything. Well, what is the will of the Father? Well, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And how are we sanctified, friends? John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The group of people at the end of time who say that they did all these wonderful works and, and turned around and God says, I don't know who you are. They didn't do the will of the Father. You see, friends, it's possible to get caught up with the works of the church, the works of the Christian, and yet not know the reason as to why you're doing this, except everyone else around you does this. Oh, when you get baptized, you're going to get taught, you know, at least in my churches, they're going to put you to preach. They're going to put you to teach. You're going to get involved in the work. And it seems like it's possible that we can go down this road and not know the reason why we do it. And the reason is found when you learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's because of your love for Him. But the people at the end of time that preach, that, that, that heal and cast out demons and do many wonderful works, why do they do it? Maybe for a selfish purpose? For an ulterior motive? Because they liked somebody and they wanted to chase them and show them how good a person they were? Because of a community service event that they had to fulfill? That's why they went and fed the homeless? Because of many reasons, friends. But unless it is driven by our love for God, it will always come infinitely short. Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
had chosen the good part that would not be taken away from her. And friends, we have to understand what that good part is for us as well. It is not going to church. No, yes, you heard that right from the pastor. It is not about just simply going to church because that doesn't bring you an inch or a millimeter closer to heaven. It is when Jesus carries us, when we rest our whole weight on Him, when we've learned to trust Him because we spent time with Him, that we're willing to put our whole life into His hands. Not to say that works don't matter. They do, friends. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's not that we, 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 we learn to sit at the feet of Jesus at the expense of doing any works. No, friends, but we have to make sure we have the right motivation, the right love. That even for me, I don't record these sermons because I'm a pastor and it's my duty to provide for my church and that's it, to make sure that people are fed. No, but it's my great love for Jesus that I do this because He has a great love for the people as well. Friends, what is it that motivates you to do what you do? What is it that drives you to live the life of a Christian? And it's not because you're surrounded by this or your, your friends all in school or work just happen to be this. No, friends, eventually it's got to shift from that or whatever motive that has driven you to your love for Christ itself. What love is it that drives you to do this? What is it that inspires you to want to do this, friends? What is it that pushes you forward in all the good works? The foundation must be deep and wide. It is our love for Christ. Many people, we have the wrong conception as to why we do what we do. It's not of any one person, but it's our love for Jesus Christ which drives us. And so friends, I hope and pray that you know, this evening, many of us, we fall in the Martha category. We just do, 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 do. But friends, we've got to grow in the truth as well. You've got to learn to walk with Jesus. You've got to learn to spend time with Him and make Him your constant companion and friend. We've got to learn to be consistent in our devotion to Him, in spending time with His, in His Word, and, and learning to pray on our knees. Friends, many of us, we need to have a deeper walk with Jesus this evening. But yet there are still others who spend a lot of time in the Word, but they've not felt the burden for souls. They have not felt the desire to serve God in any which way. I'm telling you, friends, we need to have Martha and Mary blend together. We must have works. We must not just be hearers of the Word only, but also doers as well. We must put our faith into action as well. And maybe some of you are just waiting for this feeling to come. But friends, sometimes it requires earnest effort to just move forward and just show how much you love Jesus. The motivation does not change. But friends, it does require a push sometimes. And so friends, this evening, I hope that we will learn to be like Mary first and Martha second. Both are equally important. Both, 
we must learn to aspire to be like. But let us make sure we lay the foundation deep and broad today. That we stand upon the platform of love for Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that, my friends, is a work of a lifetime. When you get married to your spouse, you, you will never reach the end. It's a constant growing in love for each other. And so it is with our walk with Jesus. Let us learn, learn to be sanctified by the truth each and every day. May God bless each and every one of you. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for reminding us this evening about the importance of being a Mary, but also being a Martha as well. Help us, O Lord, to show our faith through our works. But I pray that you'd help us to grow in faith this evening. I pray that you'd help us to deepen our faith. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to fall in love with Jesus once more. That you'd help us, Lord, to make earnest effort to spend time in reading your word, to getting to know the God of the universe. Oh, Lord, please be with my brothers and sisters here. Help us to draw closer and still closer to thee, O Father. Bless us, lead and guide us, and help us to grow in love and even in works for thee as well. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.